up, everybody, and welcome to our Best of 2023 series. We've got some excellent stories to share from previous guests that we've had this year. In this episode, you're going to hear some awesome love stories, a few Code Browns, never before heard ones, and some possibly involving a little peeing your pants. We're talking about mental health. There's stories about blood clots and a too close encounter with a deer. We really hope you enjoy revisiting some of these excellent stories from awesome guests from the past. Without further ado, here comes the best of 2023. We were mentioning how Ashley is going to kill Eric <laughs> about his uh, soon to be another Iron Man. But um, tell us about your husband. Tell us about Chris. Do you do a lot of your running with him? Or I know he's been a huge supporter of you on your journey. So so tell us more about him. We want to know. Yeah, so uh, of my life, oh, husband of mine, um, an enabler of my running habits. So that's, he's, he's wonderful. Um, he actually has a longer running career than I do. He was a runner back in high school. So he was like a track and cross country star, um, you know, down in New Jersey back in his day. And I have recently got him back into running, you know, since we've been together for going on three years, um, getting him into a few road marathons, but he's ventured into ultra running for himself. So, I roll my ankles more than I care to admit, just, you know, walking on a flat surface. So the trail thing, you know, we don't run together on the trails very often, um, but we will, you know, do a few, you know, hobby jogs and, you know, fun runs together. Um, but he definitely has taken to the trail running and I stick with my road running. And then we've done a few different races together just to say that we accomplished something together. But yeah. How'd you two meet? Um, so like all great modern love stories we met online. So COVID started what March of 2020 and we met, um, April, uh, like five weeks in basically right at the end of April. Um, our first date was a 10 hour hike in the blue Hills. So totally met this guy online for a hike in the woods with his dog at like 8am. So I was like, mom, I'm going out. And she was like, where are you going at 8am? I was like, I'm going to meet some boy and his dog in the woods. And, um, it went well, so that's good. <laughs> like I didn't die or anything, but, um, I was like, what am I doing? Like he wasn't a serial good. killer or anything. I asked, well, I mean, I asked him before I showed up, I was like, you're not going to kill me. Are you? <laughs> you're not afraid you're a serial killer. No, no, no. The chances of two serial killers being at the same place at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? I don't know if I have. That's Oh, I'm sorry, I'm ruining your story. <laughs> yeah, Tell us had, about the hike. Again. We, were, we were socially distanced, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were out there for like 10 hours and hiked 16 miles and probably like, what, 2,500 feet of elevation gain. So like we, you know, peed in the woods together on our first date. Like, haha. You know. that's, breaking, <laughs> that's breaking the ice. That is breaking the ice. So good, no, for, good for you. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> In the woods together. That is fucking awesome. I think yep. you broke him. <laughs> He's losing his shit right now. Oh, that's why we do this podcast with us. <laughs> Honestly. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> I think he needs a minute. You're awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was a long day. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Yeah. yeah just... Dude. <laughs> 
We need a timeout. I think you made him cry laughing. This is a first. You didn't even do this for Neil. You sorry. He's literally so losing shit. I've never. <laughs> no one's made me <laughs> about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got. <laughs> he needs a tissue. Time out. <laughs> Gotta help him out. Oh, my God. Five minutes later. <laughs> she just said she social distanced on her first date and peed together, though. <laughs> I mean, That's the start of Amanda, a good relationship. You broke me. And yes, it's the start of a perfect <laughs> relationship. All right. Stop thinking about it because you're going to derail again. Where, are, where were we? I'm back. And I don't know how I'm going to edit that. <laughs> you're probably not. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did wash my hands, by the way. Oh, oh, whatever. You're welcome. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. We're not done with Chris, though. You went on your first date hiking. Take us back. Your first date. It, it, it went well. You survived. You came back home alive, and your mom was happy to see you, I'm sure. There was a second date and a third date. There was a second date and a third date, and then ultimately it ends in marriage um, mm-hmm. and a lifetime of Hawaii. But, um, yeah, our second date woke um, truck um, relationships was being pulled over on the side of the mass pike cleaning dog poop at the back seat of the truck. Um, so that was fun. And um, then what else did we do? Yeah, we I mean, ultimately, we just did a bunch of hiking. We didn't even have our first dinner date until like July because nothing was mm-hmm. open. So mm-hmm. a really cool way to get to know somebody. Um, you know, we got to know each other pretty fast. So. A love story where they both swiped right. <laughs> yep. I don't know if it was that one. That was the one for me, though. Um, tell me about, I saw something. Tell me about the way he proposed to you. Yeah, so this is um, this is a cute story. Um, so he did propose to me um, in May of this year at the same trailhead where we met for the first time. Um, so we were living in Weymouth, which is, you know, probably about five or ten miles away from this trailhead. Um, he went to the Blue Hills to go for a trail run. And then I would leave from our house in Weymouth, take the scenic like long route and get my 13 or 14 miles done mm-hmm. and run at the trailhead. And we, we would time it. So his run would be ending in the woods at about the same time. Um, so he thought it would be a great idea to put the ring in his trail running vest and run with it. Why he didn't leave it in the car. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh no. What happened? Oh, no, he, he somehow held on to it. So I have a snapshot of the boy coming out of the woods, you know, just parading out of the woods, um, running. And then he just said something like, hi, honey, blah, blah, blah. How was your run? And then I stopped the video and then I was posting it to my story on Snapchat. And I turn around and he's on his on one knee and boxes upside down and everything. Um, so, <laughs> so I turned around and I was like, oh, I just got a snapshot of you finishing your run and then i looked down and he's just got a ring in a box for me and i was like oh no so yeah i started started crying obviously because what else are you gonna do and then you know i said that i would marry him and stuff like that and he closed the box and forgot to put the ring on my finger <laughs> <laughs> so, so i was upside down and i was like well i was like you gotta put it put it on um i was like i've never done this before but i'm pretty sure that's how this goes he was like oh my god yeah i have to put it on you so that was yeah that was how we we got engaged was at the same trailhead where we had our 
first hike. And then we your first stopped. pee together. Yeah, yeah, oh, pretty hard. Like it all happened there. It was great. Lots of milestones on that trail. That's really romantic, though. I love that story. He was just yeah. so nervous that he couldn't even. He forgot to put the ring on. Oh, that's that's cute, though. That is definitely something to remember, and it's a fun story to share. <laughs> and I'm glad you shared it with us. Yeah. It was uh, it was very, very cute, and then we stopped at the Walmart on the way home and got some beers and had some beers at home. So wonderful! Very, but we're not like you know big into going out and things like that. So we're like, we'll just you know get drunk at home. Woo! We got work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't something else happen in the 2008 Boston Marathon with a uh, maybe maybe a guy who plays basketball? Um, yes. So my roommates and I, um, had been walking around and having a good morning, you know, got up, we're celebrating, keeping ourselves warm, however we could. Um, I may have had a beer or two and, um, walking back, we're trying to get a different location to get closer to the finish line. I wasn't paying attention to where I was going and I walked smack dab into a tall gentleman and I got knocked to the ground and I'm absolutely okay. I, I was more apologetic because I felt like the silly person who had bumped into him. And then sure enough, he helped me up and he quadruple checked to make sure that I was okay. And then after he had left away, my roommates go, you do know who that was. And I had, I had no idea. I had no idea. Just a tall, handsome gentleman. And sure enough, it was Ray Allen. Not a big deal. It was just April of 2008, about two months before they won the NBA championship. The big three were kind of doing their thing, and they're pretty much the three faces all around Boston around that time. And yeah. Oh, you just, I wouldn't have known either. Don't, don't feel bad. You just bumped right into him, and oh my God. And he asked you like four times, Are you okay? I mean, I'm, yeah, that's kind of funny. That's funny. <laughs> he was incredible and very kind and. I hope I you mean, run into him one day and say, do you remember me? It made for a memorable experience. Yeah, it was it was very memorable. And I felt incredibly silly. And had I paid more attention, I mean, I'd only been to a Celtics game at the 300 level. So that's the best level. It, it is. It is my favorite level. So. Oh, you know what? Can I ask you about Mike? I want to know how you guys met and all that stuff. So Mike and I have kind of a funny history. We got married in 2012, so we're almost at 13 years married, um, started dating in 2009. However, so we met the very traditional way on Match.com. But the funny thing was, 2007, when I had moved to Boston, one of my girlfriends, Katie, had said, hey, why don't you come to my Halloween party? You can meet some of my friends, you know. Some Hartwick, I went to Hartwick College in Oneonta, New York, but there she goes, there'll be some Hartwick people there. And then there'll be a few other friends that went to college here that I've met. I'm like, perfect. She goes, that will, you know, you just moved here. Let's have some fun. And so I was like, can I bring my roommate? Would that be okay? She goes, absolutely bring your roommate. So we get all dressed up. We do the Halloween thing. We go. And sure enough, there's this guy here. Now, I had zero interest in dating. I just wanted to enjoy Boston, get the lay of the land. This gentleman approaches me, and he was dressed as Kid Rock and <laughs> blonde wig, scraggly hair, just 
you know, and he comes up to me and he goes, so um, I've been watching you. Can I take you out to dinner sometime? And I looked him straight in the eyes and I kind of like did the, no, I'm okay. Like, I'm not very, I'm not interested in dating right now. And so my roommate and I stayed maybe 15 minutes later, but we all know like South Boston apartments aren't very big. Um, My girlfriend had had a dog and the dog didn't get let out in time and went number two in the hallway. So of course, code Brown when it, Yep, it had a code brown in the hallway of the South Boston apartment, which radiated through the entire party. And I was like, mm. I look at my roommate at the time. I'm like, you know what? That's our indication to bounce. So we went across the street to whatever. I forget what the name of the bar was across the street at the time. And that was it. Never. I didn't even think twice. You know, I really haven't met anyone. So when I match.com, I did the whole wink or nudge or whatever you do. And Facebook we connected. Poke. I connected with this guy and his name was Mike. And we were chatting. Both of our parents had houses on a lake. Um, we both, we had a lot in common. Um, and then eventually we were like, let's set up a first date. He lived in Dorchester. I lived in Southie door to door. It was maybe three miles. And I'm like, let's go to the Boston beer garden right on Broadway. We'll have a beer, see where it goes. Now, mind you, I had to work that day. I was working retail at the time. So we didn't meet up until almost 1030 at night. I go home. My same roommate who was at that party two years prior, she goes, you can't go out right now. It's 1030 at night. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But let's just, and I walked there because I walked anywhere. We had made, I had conned him into friending me on Facebook by, so I'm like, oh, I have pictures of all the baking that I do. If you want to see them you know, friend me on Facebook. So we did the whole Facebook friend thing and he sends me a text and he goes, I'm so sorry, but I think this has to end before it begins. <laughs> and I said, what, why? And he goes, um, Katie's Halloween party, 2007. Oh, he remembered. And I said, and he goes, um, it's kind of hard. He, my husband loves cars and I was dressed as a race car, like girl and he goes, it's pretty hard. He goes, you're in the background of like three of my Halloween pictures. Oh. So he goes, I, I, you, he said to me, you turn me down once. I don't need to be turned down again. Standing his like, ground. Oh. I love it, Mike. Good, good on oh you, Mike. <laughs> so what are the chances that, you know, we meet two years prior, I say no. And then two years after the fact. We meet and we go out. So we close down the bar and the rest is history. Mike, you're a good guy. (laughs) That's just a great story. And there's times when I meet you or Shauna or somebody for Mm -hmm. a run. And I'm like, this isn't good going in. And about three miles in, usually less than that, then it happens. Yep. Yep. Shit happens. (laughs) Yeah. It does happen. I think for me, the most curious thing is that it happens even if I go before. Uh Like sometimes, like I'll go before, I feel fine. And then usually it's like in the, if I have like a hard effort in the middle of a long run, you know, like, you know, three by one mile at half marathon with a mile recovery. Uh It's during like the second recovery mile that all of a sudden my body is like, and we have more for you. Congratulations. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, okay, well. 
Uh, that's not a prize you want to win. Prize. <laughs> it was given to me unwanted. <laughs> Do you ever get nervous yeah. before a race? Like like Chicago, you had an A goal. You had a goal of making the Boston Marathon and getting the qualifying time. And you're like, shit, you better not screw this up for me. <laughs> so I fully intended on like just letting it happen if that was the case. And if you read my recaps, I don't know if you did, but I, I wrote some recaps of the Chicago marathon and I didn't, uh, number two never happened, but I actually peed my pants that day at least 12 times during the marathon. I could not, it was like mile two. I don't know if I was like too cold at the start. Um, I had a ton of electrolytes in my bottle. I didn't think I was overhydrated. Well, regardless, whatever it was, it was like mile two. And I was like, okay. Well, I know what those porta potty lines were like at the very, like, right as you were about to go into the corral. They were insane. They were so long. And I had gone twice before. And uh, yeah, anyway, I knew myself. I like, I felt that. And I was like, this is not, this is going to be happening today. (laughs) And so I just remember the girl who I was running next to at like mile three and a half she like had pulled off to go to the bathroom and I like watched how far she had to run just to get to the porta potty. And I'm like, no, not today. (laughs) So I just let it it happen. And then at the next aid station, I put a water on me and drank a Gatorade and I was like, okay, that's fine. And then after that, every aid station, I, it just like happened. Like every time I took a sip, it some came out. I don't know <laughs> at that point if it was like pelvic floor dysfunction or what, but I <laughs> I could not keep it in. It just like kept coming out the whole race. And oh, no. I felt fine. So I was like, well, it's clearly not hindering anything. And I anyway, by the end, I was like, I, I didn't I couldn't even keep track. I couldn't even tell you how many times it just kept happening. Well, peeing yourself is fine because at the end of the race, no one's going to know. No one knows unless they're they're right next to you and they smell you. No one knows. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's not like Addie when she crapped herself three times and the people at the uh, finish line have the water bottle in the middle and they go, what do we do with her? (laughs) You can. There was a long run where I I did crap my pants and it was like daylight. Right. And I knew people were looking at me like I had short spandex shorts on. It was like all down the back of my leg. like. Mm -hmm but I'm not going to stop the middle of my log. I'm so stubborn. I think that's the thing too. Like if I, even if I'm close to home, I'm not going to go home to like change my pants. If I'm in the middle of like a hard session, like I'm going to finish the hard work block of my run and like, then I'll go fix it. I, mm-hmm. I am stubborn. And I like fully admit that. That's like a true athlete though. You, you have a workout. You I'm have like, what I'm you got to do. Work. You're going to finish. Why not? <laughs> like, you're so, already a mess. What difference does it make? I right? appreciate that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, right. I'll just like sit in the grass for a second and like roll around and then <laughs> sit back up. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't let you off the hook. Forty three years of running. I think we need a code brown. Okay. Ooh. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a code brown nobody's ever heard. So oh, it's not even in the book. <laughs> Exclusive. No, it's not in the book. My family doesn't know it, so I'm oh, gonna... yes. <laughs> if they have stuck around this long, they're gonna learn something new about their dad. <laughs> oh boy, they're gonna be doing this to their hands to their face now. <laughs> so interesting facts just about code brand code brown. First of all, I loved your podcast name. I, I just love it. I gotta tell you, in it's the back him. of my book. Very good. I, Thank you. I bought it. Eric, great job. 
in the back of my book, again, I wrote it before I even found you and before you guys started. I actually, in my thank you section, I thank all the, so I actually <laughs> use that term in my book. I um, love it. So, so just a little shout out about uh, how much I love the, the name of your podcast here. So uh, some other fun facts, believe it or not, this has never happened to me in a race. Okay. Not that's good. Word. That's good. I, I have never had, I've had near accidents, but thankfully there was the porta potty mm-hmm. and but I have never had that happen. It's always been in my personal runs, my, my running around town or whatever. Um, and, and what's funny is when it happens to me locally, um, I think somebody on your podcast recently commented like this, like when it happens, I just stop. I, I don't run yeah. anymore because I'll just like walk home now. And I'm like, okay, um, I'm trying to keep it in there. And uh, <laughs> And, and here comes my neighbor, you know, hey, how you doing? They want to talk to me about the, the lawn care or something. I'm like, no, I got to go. And, well, why, why are you walking? Why are you walking? Oh, I got a pulled muscle. You know, I just got to get home. I just got to get So, So I've had, I've had simple situations like that. But the, um, the one story that, that I had that was just so embarrassing, and uh, it, was, it was a while ago. I was traveling and I was all the way in the deep South in Oxford, Mississippi. I was at the university of Mississippi, Ole Miss. And I was down there on a business uh, trip. I uh, got up early to run from the hotel. I knew I could run on campus. It was summertime. So it was just summer classes. It wasn't full uh, fall session or anything. And uh, I was running and I just had to go bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it came, it was like, what did you eat? I was probably traveling. I ate something different. And what did you eat the night before? You know, those thoughts are going through my head. Mm. And so I, I, I had to go and I'm just, I'm frantic. Cause I'm in the middle of campus. I'm in the middle of campus. <laughs> I checked the door of a building. It's locked because again, it's summer <laughs> session. So they probably aren't using this building. And so I ran away from that building, but now I'm sprinting. Cause I don't even know, I don't know where to go, you know, and I, I didn't want to just let it go. So I found a three foot shrub and I, and I squatted next to it in the middle of campus and I left my impression. There. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. You know what I think? I think now you're just going to be like next time. It's like, just got to take care of this right now. And you go find the brush. Yep. I, it, and, and here's Eric, this is what, really brings back a funny memory was when you had your brother on Alex. Yes. And if, if I remember his story, right, he had one in the woods and then all of a sudden he noticed the guy on the porch. Yes. Reading his paper. Yes. My biggest fear was there's gotta be somebody that just saw me do this. There's gotta be somebody, <laughs> right? But I, didn't, but I didn't see them. And if I did, they were just being cool. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe that guy just did that right in the middle of this courtyard. <laughs> So I'm embarrassed still to share that story. Uh, I've never shared it before. I did not go to breakfast with my colleagues and share that story. <laughs> that day. That's not a breakfast story. It's definitely no. an on the runs podcast story. The exclusive <laughs> code Brown yeah. from Patrick. So one of the things you really want to talk about was um, running and mental health and some things that you've dealt with throughout your life and your childhood. And you, you mentioned this to us quite a while ago. So we wanted to have you on to come on and talk about that. Yeah. 
I kind of think like tying in, you know, running with mental health is so important because we all are very, as runners, we know are very competitive people. And so we tend to get wrapped up in our own thoughts. We use running as a way to escape those thoughts. It's you as the pavement, whether you listen to music, a podcast, or you don't listen to anything and you kind of go out, just listen to your feet pounding. It is a good way to de-stress, but I was finding that I was using running as a way to escape from everything else in my life and not really dealing with everything. I had a very rough childhood with a lot of trauma that I really needed to deal with internally. And I never talked about it because people don't talk about that thing. It's kind of like a taboo topic of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I go to therapy. I've been going to therapy for well over a year now. I absolutely love it. Ever since I started going, looking at myself a year ago versus where I am now, I'm in a much better headspace. You might not always be exactly where you want to be in certain situations, be it, you know, friendships, a relationship, running, you know, parenting, work. But as long as you're good with how you're handling it and you're handling it better than you ever would be before, I think that that speaks volumes. And, you know, you know, you're not dealing with it. You're running from it. And I never put that together. I can go run 20 miles and still feel crappy about the same situation. I'm never going to outrun the problems until you actually face the demons. You deal with that. With that. It's the same with trying to be in a relationship. You're never going to be able to do that until you face what's going on inside of you or be the best parent or be the best version of yourself. And I think, you know, it's like having goals for my mental health was like my goal coming into 2023. And, you know, even for 2022 is just be happy no matter where you are in life, you know, we always are waiting for the next thing to happen. And even when we get it right, we just sit there waiting for it to be gone. We're like, is it going to be gone tomorrow? When is it going to leave? Is it going to leave? Is it what's going to happen with it? We don't enjoy it when we're sitting there. And that's one of the things I've promised myself to do this year. Even if I'm sad, even if I'm pissed off, even if I'm super happy, because that was one of my biggest things as trauma that I don't have a good relationship with my mother and it's always impacted my life. And I had to deal with that abandonment issue, that trust issue. And I was always afraid everybody was just going to leave. So I was trying to enjoy those moments all the time instead of enjoying it. I was waiting for that person to, to leave for the other shoe to drop. And so Mm -hmm. instead of enjoying life and just kind of being like, whatever's meant to be is going to be, I'm like waiting for everything to go bad. And it just, caused more havoc and more spiraling until I finally stopped. And it was after, you know, I moved into my own place with Jackson and I got myself a therapist and really started to talk about things and really understanding that it really was traumatic, how my childhood went and the things I had to deal with weren't appropriate for my age at the age of six, being left alone by myself for a whole entire night while my mother went out, just different things that I had to really deal with. And I think a lot of people, whether you're a runner or not, don't want to talk about it because one, one of the things for me was I'm like, am I second guessing this? Did it really happen to me? Or am I blowing this out of proportion? Am I being super, super dramatic about it? And my therapist was like, you feel how you feel. And that's your experience. And everybody's experience is very different. But I think the whole thing around therapy is very much still 
like a taboo subject. People don't talk about it because if you're going to therapy, you're crazy or you're not in a right mind space. And I'm very open about it. And I actually was at work one day and I said something to someone like, oh, I have my therapy appointment. And and like somebody laughed at me and I was like, what? I was like, what's so funny? And they're just like, I just didn't know that like, you know, you were going. And I said, well, if your leg's broken, do you fix it? Because if something's going on in your brain, you want to fix it. Mm -hmm. And no amount of running or staying busy or anything is going to fix it until you deal with what's going on inside of you. But like, I do think combined with therapy and running, it really did help. Training for a marathon can definitely change your life. It's going into the whole discipline thing of motivation is fleeting and you can wake up some days and be motivated and be like, yeah, today I'm going to kill it. I'm going to meal prep. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be that. The whole point of discipline is to wake up and say, I don't feel like it today, but I'm still going to do it because I have a goal and I want to reach that goal or I want to be a better mom or I want to be healthier. So I'm going to meal prep at seven o'clock at night while I watch a football game, which is what I did last night because I didn't have time yesterday. Um, And so I think like mental health and running is very much the same, like thought process, you know, it's the same with like a career and wanting a business. It's the same as like creating those goals that if I want a goal of being happier, what do I have to do to take those steps to get there? And if it's running a marathon, then it's running a marathon. If it's going to therapy, it's going to therapy, but the two combined really just clear your mind when you're talking about it, but then you're also physically moving your body and you're getting those endorphins going. And it's just really worked out for me really well to push past it. And if talking about it and getting other people to realize they're not alone in that thought process and in those feelings and that there are other people out there that are trying to deal with it. I do. I just think it's an important topic, especially for runners because there are runners out there who are like documentaries on it too, that the mental health, it's just not, it's not always something that's well talked about and everything is kind of hush hush and you're just expected to keep it quiet and not, deal with it and just push through the pain, right? We all push through pain. We, you know, Erica, you're an ultra runner. You, you run, run for miles and miles and miles and miles and it physically hurts. But Mm -hmm. like what happens when your brain hurts or your, your heart hurts? Like, what do you do then? How do you deal with that? No amount of miles is going to change that until you talk about it and you Mm -hmm. deal kind of deal kind of it with head on a little bit is more what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, I think the combination between, mental health and running and even lifting is a great combination. You know, I can have a really shitty day, walk into the gym and throw a weight around and feel like a complete badass and walk out of there in a much better mood. You can have a shitty day, come home, sit on the couch, eat a bag of chips, and you're going to feel even probably shittier than you did if you got up and just went to the gym and moved your body. Now, if you add in, you know, helping yourself. And I'm not saying therapies for stuff that's happened in our lives and trauma and things like that. But if you want to like, you know, go with a friend or I don't know, go to a bar and talk to a bartender, like that's, you know, what you want to do or go to church. It's everybody has their own thing. But I think as long as we're all dealing with what's going on inside of us, you know, it, it's even better. Um, and I really just think if everybody went for a run or worked out, the world would be a much happier place. (laughs) 
but the long running partner you share everything with. And then we, we, that was a moment for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that might've been a small, cause she already heard everything about me. <laughs> it was a moment I got hurt. <laughs> You're an just, open book. Oh, open the same. Yeah. In the same way. So mm-hmm. your first race was a 5k, but what was your first big race? You said you went up, you know, maybe 10k half marathon, marathon. So I did my first half marathon was Apple Fest, which used to be in Hollis. They, I think it was like the, maybe the year after I did it, they stopped doing it. And it was a great race. It's actually right near where I live right Mm -hmm. now. So I did that. And then I signed up for my first marathon, which was Vermont city. And I did that in 2010. So yeah. And then it just kind of went from there. Manchester city was my next one, like my next marathon, not my next big race. And then actually like the week after I ran Manchester city, I wasn't feeling well at all, and I went to the doctors, and they were like, oh, we can't figure out what's wrong with you. We think you have, like, some respiratory – there was some something going around that mm-hmm. they thought I had. They put me on, um, like, a pack and all that stuff, and I was like, no, I'm literally getting out of breath running a quarter of a mile, and I don't know what's going on. They're like, no, 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 it's, that's probably what it is, so <laughs> – I take this. You're like, no, but I'm a runner. This yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So Seriously. I take, yeah. So I take this medication and then I think I'm starting to feel better. I was like, oh, I think, I think I might be getting better. And I had a follow-up appointment. So I canceled the appointment. And then it was two days later, I woke up. I wasn't feeling good. I had to go downstairs. So I go down to the basement to get the laundry and I'm walking up just that one flight of stairs. I get to the couch and I was doubled over like my head between my legs gasping oh for air. <clears throat> so my husband at the time, he's like getting ready to go to work. And he said, Hey, take it easy today. Like, I don't know what's going on. Just like, don't do anything strenuous, just hang out, relax. And I had to return, uh, the Comcast cable box. So <laughs> I drive to Nashua. I walk in from my car into Comcast was like 20 feet, completely out of breath. So I call my mom and she's like, you need to call, you need to call the hospital. I had no idea what was going on. So I think I'd been to the doctors two or three times over like three weeks at that point. And so I went and they did my oxygen levels and they were super low. Oh, shit. So they were like, um, yeah, I don't know about this. They they were like, you need to, I was at the urgent care. We're taking you by ambulance to the hospital. And I was like, whoa, like what, wait, what is going on? They're like, well, we did, they did x-rays too. And they said they found nothing in my, in your lungs. So we think that you might have blood clots because they don't show up on x-rays, but your oxygen levels are insane. And they did blood work too. So I got there and and I'm at Southern New Hampshire. My parents are down there too. And I'm like, why is this taking, like, I just want to get out. I don't, why is this taking (laughs) so long? They're running all these tests. And finally someone's like, you're not going anywhere. No. So I had four inch long blood clots in both of my lungs. Four inches. Yep. And the doctor was like, yeah, you definitely ran a marathon with like blood clots in your lungs. Oh my God. Yep. So I was in ICU for like eight days and then three days more in the hospital. And the doctor said, you you might not ever be able to run again. So that was a weird year. Well, you certainly <laughs> proved them wrong. That was a weird so, year. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> holy yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. So that, that things were a little bit slow after that. And mm-hmm. then I ran Cape Cod, I think that year. Whoa, 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 no, blood clots. Let's let's <laughs> stick with blood clots here. How did you recover? What was the recovery process? Did they just put so, like, blood thinners? Blood thinners or? Yeah. yeah. So when I was in the hospital, I was like hooked up to blood thinners. Mm. And then I had to be on Coumadin for however long. 
and I had to be like really careful. They're like, you can't do, you can't run because you, they don't want you like having the blood clots break up and like move, go out yeah. and move. That's so dangerous. I couldn't run. They're like, don't do anything where you might fall and bruise yourself easily because you're on blood thinners. So uh, don't do anything where right. you cut yourself. Don't right. do Yeah. So there was like some really weird things. Like one time I was watching the Celtics and I bit into a cracker and it cut the roof of my mouth open and it wouldn't stop bleeding. So I had to go to the emergency room. The first thing you did wrong was watching the Celtics. But yeah, besides <laughs> that. Yeah. So I had to go to the emergency room. I had just this cut on my on the roof of my mouth that would not stop bleeding. So, and then like... You know, the next couple of years after that, I had to be really mindful of my body and just like listen to how I was feeling because if I would get out of breath easily, then I'd have to go get checked. Like, do you have a greater chance now of getting blood clots? Um, I don't think so. I think that they they could never determine like why I got them in the first place. Okay. We don't know how you got them, but how do people get blood clots? There's just a thing. There's well, that's the thing was when I when they found out that I had blood clots, they asked me on long trips. No, I just they, they couldn't pinpoint it. So there were birth control four inch blood clots <laughs> in both of your lungs. Yeah, just that just those two spots or yeah. anymore. Yep, lungs. Yeah, so it's pretty. That was crazy. You ran a not just any marathon, the Manchester Marathon. Yeah, so I ran that. So that was 2011, and they were like, "You might not never run again." And then I ran a marathon in 2012. Just because your lungs are damaged. Like why you will never you hear about someone who has a knee replacement or a hip? Well, injury, they say if but, you're on, uh, if you, because you don't actually get thinner. rid of the blood, yeah, and you don't really get rid of the blood clots. It just breaks them, breaks them up, and they uh-huh. go into your body just smaller. Yeah. So the blood thinners, they they basically said if you're going to be on blood thinners for the rest of your life, you you might not be able to run. And are you no. on them right now? Nope. No. Nope. A comeback story if I ever heard yeah. one. Wow. Holy shit. We didn't even have that <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. So then in 2012, in October, I ran my third marathon. And that's my PR. still stands as my PR to this day. Never beat it. <laughs> okay. Where was that? Cape Cod. Okay. Yeah. I got to go back. Perhaps in tw- his whole life. He's okay. at like 40 straight boss marathons at the time, give or take mm-hmm. a few, right? And the doctor said, you'll probably never run again. He goes... Okay, let's the Cardo's dealt. No big deal. And I was kind of like, Wait, what? I was like, <laughs> what? What were you like? So it was eleven years ago. So you were only running for three years. Yeah, were you like- I mean, so I was, I was kind of devastated. And yeah, it's it's crazy that you know Mike was like, oh, and right, you I mentioned like- earlier seasonal depression. I don't know if that was something back then either. But yep. then you know a lot of people use running to help. Mm-hmm. And then you just lost that avenue. Yeah. Yep. So that was, I mean, that is my number one reason why I run is, <laughs> so I've had one other injury since like, I've only had one in, okay. I've mm-hmm. had two, I've had two running injuries and one was a stress fracture. And I think that my husband doesn't ever want to see me get injured again, based solely on the fact that I'm a miserable human being if I don't run. Oh. So he also doesn't like it when you run in shorts. Oh, he he is not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be really cold. It has though. to be yes. You have a rule, right? He has a rule, and it's, if the temperature if it's is below freezing, yeah. I don't ask anything. This is the one thing right. I'm asking of you. I was like, okay, totally cool. Right. I think right. I think uh, I've heard that from someone else on the podcast too. I think Katie's Katie. husband, Mike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I was so, like, oh, okay, all right. Not that he's a controlling guy. Nope, he's just looking he's out for you. 
He's Spencer's like, just, out there looking for the best for Lindsay. He, well, his thing was, you're a huge klutz. And so what <laughs> happens if you're out and you're running and it's icy out and you're wearing shorts and you fall and you like hit your head and you're laying there in shorts and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I mean, I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. And so you're not on blood thinners now, but if you were to fall and cut yourself, are you at a greater risk? Than- right now? No. No. Okay. No. no I'm it's like she it ne- good. It's like it never happened. Like she it good. Never happened. Wow. Cool. That yeah. is a comeback story. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Like I said, we're going to go off track here on the notes. <laughs> it wasn't even there. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. It's funny because I don't think about it that much. And then I was like, I knew you guys were going to ask me kind of about my running journey. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, there was that one time. Right. <laughs> That's where a I huge had those blood clots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just ran a, we just ran the hardest marathon in the state. And then apparently I had blood clots in my lungs. <laughs> Not a big deal. Super badass hero over here. Just stubborn and dumb, probably, a lot of times. So I'm starting out the race. Um, I have a good swim. It was my first time in the amateur field since in six years. So I was like, this is kind of weird. But I got out. I had a good swim. I was on the bike, and I was having a great day on the bike. I mean, the first time in a while that I felt solid on the bike and felt, you know, maybe because I was in that amateur field and it was like, a little more fun for me rather than chasing. Like I always was in the pro field. It's like no one out there. It felt like it was just like in the mix and it was just like fun. And like, I was, I was feeling really solid and I'm coming to the bottom of Eric. You'll know what this is. Mile 40, like where Duplessis is, you're going to do this big climb. Okay. And then you get free mileage and speed all the way down this big climb. Cause it's like eight miles downhill and you're going about 50 miles an hour. Well, you have to climb up first before you do that descent and then you just descend into t2 and you start your run it's great and so right before i'm heading up that canyon or whatever you want to call it i don't know if it's like a canyon but it's it's an ascent right and i see mike and he's like babe you're doing awesome you're killing it and i'm like cool i'm like yeah yeah i feel great you know and i'm just like all i have to do is just do that last blip and i like climbing so i'm like great i just have to climb and like I always like that better because you're not like yo-yoing with people it's not like mayhem Mm -hmm. you know and then you just get that free speed So I'm heading up there and within the ascent, there are some descending points where you're getting going 25, 30 miles an hour down some of those descents, you know, to climb back up again and you kind of get shotgunned right back up, you know? And so, um, so I was coming down one of those and right as I'm at the top of that, I see a deer go by and there's another guy coming on the other side, going 50 coming down the other side. I'm like, Oh Jesus, he just missed that one. Like, I remember thinking now, I'm like, Oh, he just missed that one. And I look over to the right. And there's another deer standing on the side of the road. I'm like, shit. So, and what does it do within the next minute? It comes out and it just stands there. And I have like a minute to decide on what to do. And it's either go off the ravine, go into the oncoming cyclists, going down to play C and you know, they're going like a good clip. They're going like 50, I would say. Yeah. And then, or, or, or just hope this guy gets out of the way. And I just braced myself and hoped he got out of the way. And I said, I just, the last thought was, if people hit these things in their cars, they're like done. Right. Like what's going to happen to me? And I just crashed dead on into the thing and, um, going like 25 miles an hour. And I felt the deer. Uh, I could feel the fur. I remember everything I felt. I was like hugging it. And then it scrambled off, like just absolutely traumatized. And then I went, once he scrambled off, I went flying. And I think what happened was I whipped around and got, so I was flying in the backward direction in the air. And I landed directly on my back, like blunt force and then hit my head wicked hard. 
And I was immediately seeing double. And then I, I crawled off the road. Like my initial thing was just crawl off the road. Oh my God. Like, you know, mm-hmm. holy shit. And just crying, screaming, you know, doing whatever. It just, it just, I was in shock. And I sat there and then I was just cry, crying, saying, get help, get help. You know, cause people are flying by me at this point. Right. Are you okay? And I'm like, just get help, get help. But like no one's stopping. Cause you can't really stop. Like there's nothing you can really do. Plus they didn't know I hit a deal. Right. They just saw me on the side of the road. They don't know how bad it is. They mm-hmm. don't know like that. I just, you know, like had that experience. There's only one person I think that saw it. And it was my pro friend's friend. That was a pro that saw it actually happen. And she's like, it was horrific, but there's only like one person actually saw it happen. And, um, so everyone's probably, they're, they're probably don't, don't know. So they're just going to get help. And one guy stopped and I was just traumatized. So I just kind of needed someone there to tell me that I was like, okay. Yeah. But at that point I was getting a lot of hip back mm-hmm. pain. So I couldn't sit anymore. It's making me feel better. And then the double seeing double went away. So I was like, okay, I think I'm all right, but I'm still in shock. So I don't really know. And I'm pacing back and forth. This guy stops. He gets my bike out of the middle of the road. Thank God. Cause that could have killed somebody. And then, um, he's like, I have to leave you and go get help. I need to go tell it. So I'm like, that's fine. So I'm still pacing. And then they came up with a little emergency vehicle. Like I'd say 10 minutes later or uh-huh. whatever. And because they can't drive cars up there. And so they drove that little emergency vehicle and they're like, what happened? There was another guy there that had some, had popped a tire and he had walked down and he was to where I was. And they were talking to him. And then they look over me like, what happened to you? And I'm like, I crashed into a deer like head on. They were like, oh my God. And they just went into like full fledged. They just cut my kit. They're like, where is it hurt? I'm like, my back. They just cut my kit right off me. $300. There you go. Yeah. First time wearing it. You know, you know, those expensive yeah. things are. So I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, you know, so I'm standing there and then they just, you know, I just kept asking them like, am I okay? Am I going to be okay? Cause I couldn't, I was like in shock. I couldn't tell. And they're like, I don't know. They were basically like, I don't know. Like, I can't tell the extent of anything that's going on. And, and so, you know, they looked at my back, it was all scraped up, you know, elbows are scraped, whatever. And so they were like, I was like, can I please call my boyfriend on your phone? And they're like, yeah. And I wanted him to hear my voice Mm -hmm. when he got that call, because I knew he'd be tracking me. If he didn't see the tracker Mm -hmm. moving, he'd probably think I got a flat or whatever. But if he saw a phone call coming in after that, from Quebec. I mean, I didn't want him to hear them first and go, Oh my God. Right. So I just wanted him to hear my voice. So like, babe, I'm okay. I hit a D and he's like, what? You know? And then I passed it off to them because I couldn't even talk. Babe. I'm and okay. they were all in shock. I hit a deer. Like, <laughs> yeah. He couldn't believe it. What? He thought, Oh, I thought you were going to fly. Like, what? So then he raced to the med tent and they took really good care of me down there. Um, you know, the guy, you know, they put me on a stretcher, brought me into the med tent. They're all, you know, freaking out down there because they heard what happened they get notification before you actually get there. They were amazing in there. It was like four nurses and a doctor to me, like, you know, just all of them on one person, right. you wow. know, and doing everything they could. Mm-hmm. They hit me up with like some fentanyl morphine, like immediately, but they're like, is the still there? And I just kept saying, it's in my hip. It's in my hip. Like, I don't, I, I'm in a lot of pain. I just don't. And they're like, well, it's very unlikely that you broke your pelvis, you know, but I just kept saying, yeah. And even after the morphine, they'd be like, is the pain still there? I'm like, yeah, like I, it could still feel like I knew something was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, like that I broke like a ton of bones, <laughs> but they didn't have an x-ray there. So they're like, you're going to have to go to the hospital. But I got up to stand to go to the bathroom in the middle of the place. You're kind of able to. This still isn't a code around. brown, but right. yeah, I was able to. Well, but once I went to do that, I was in such agony. I couldn't like 
even stand up or sit. Like sitting and standing was just agonizing. And Mike's like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. Uh-huh. We can't just trust what, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the worst was sitting and stand. I could not sit down or stand up. That was just agonizing. So went to the hospital, but we couldn't get his, we couldn't get his uh, car out of, they had, his car was parked in a place where they had blocked off right? because of the race. And it's kind of, so tough he had to, no car. You kind of got to get there the day before really with the car situation, you know, like if, right. if you're there, you're there. We you are staying on the village. Right. right. So we were staying in the village. His car's parked there. It's blocked into race mode. They're not going to let him out. So I'm like, he's going to have to come with me in the ambulance. So he rode with me in the ambulance, but the hospital was like 45 minutes away. So once we got out there, we had no car. Yeah. And we're like, how are we going to get me back home after this? Right. But that was like a side note. We weren't even really worried about that at the moment. So we get in there and it's like, you know, whatever, getting checked in and, and, and they wouldn't let me move because they're really worried about my back, you know, so I couldn't really do move at all. For like, I was there for like seven hours, basically. Um, and they wanted money up front. So we're like paying money up front. It was like super stressful. They finally got x-rays of me. Because, so the guy comes over and he's like, um, I really don't want you moving at all. Like he was worried about a compression fracture or an unstable fracture of my spine. He had a feeling that I'd done something to my spine, but... Or, you know, but we didn't really, could by looking at it and where the blunt force was, he could like see, you know, but, um, so they took x-rays and they found out that I had fractured the two transverse process, which are the L4, L5, bony things that come off your spine. Yeah. So they connect to all of your like ligaments and everything that attaches mm-hmm. to your hip. Hence the fact that I was feeling like I couldn't stand up or sit. <sighs> and then I broke like a bunch of ribs on the right side. <sighs> so my whole back was just, you know. And so I laid there for like, I was only there for like seven hours, but like, we didn't want to move from that hospital. Like, cause I was waiting so long. Mike's like, should I just drive you to Burlington to get to America to like, so we don't have to pay up front and all he's like, but I don't know if we should move you because if it's not a stable fracture, then. So we found out it was a stable fracture, which meant I was going to be able to travel home, uh-huh. which scared the crap out of me at that point. But, mm-hmm. and, and, but then we knew like I can move and I'm not going to like displace this thing. He's like, you're not going to displace it. You know, you just broke those two bony protrusions that come off your spine. Um, you know, you're not, you're going to be in a lot of pain, but you're not going to like further damage it by riding home, you know, or whatever. So that was a big relief. Then we were like, okay, but I was still petrified to ride home. Cause I was like, I can't sit for that long. Six hours. In the right. Car I mean, it's a long back, drive you know, and, and broken ribs It's mm. six hours. And if you get stuck in traffic in Montreal and you're looking at, you know, right. God knows what I was like petrified, honestly petrified. So we go back to the hotel. It was like such a, we had to get, he had to get, Mike had to get a ride from some poor soul that was there with his daughter and, and have him drive back to get Mike's car. And then Mike had to come all the way back to the hospital to get me. Finally, we get home at nine o'clock at night. I had no clothes because they cut everything off me. So I just had the little gurney, like hospital gown with nothing on underneath it. No shoes, no clothes, gown. You know, nothing on underneath. Oh, wow. Walk into the hotel room with like scrapes all over me, <laughs> sweat, drool, Sorry, hair all over the place. Scrape. No, it was hilarious. I'm shuffling in there by myself because Mike's going to get the car. So I didn't even have him to explain to the hotel people at the village, like why I'm coming shuffling in <laughs> looking like this, like a crackhead. And I'm like, literally like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, and I just walked right by them and just gave them a wave and just like zombied it to the, cause I was in so much pain. 
<laughs> I was on morphine, but I was on, in so much pain. So I was really out I of thought it. you'd been breaking out of the hospital or something. Yeah, I mean, it looked like <laughs> I had broken out of somewhere. Out. I mean, seriously, it looked like I was just, I mean, it was like a movie. So I get into the elevator, I get up, and I was just, I was pretty much in agony, you know, then. And then the whole ride home was just, it was pretty much a nightmare. And then it was, I got to get to a spinal specialist, you know, and get the, you know. So that's the story. That's what happens. We got me home. I had to keep getting out of the car, though. Yeah, I got to Like, hear, the sitting was, was agonizing. Drive? Agonizing. Agonizing. Because what would happen is I'd be sitting in the exact part where I was sitting that would be pushing up on the part of Mike's car, the seat, mm-hmm. was exactly where I broke it. Oh. Like, right on that side there, on the, on oh. the L4, L5, right on that, like, little, like, area down by there. It was just pushing on that part, plus the ribs, you know. But that was what was agonizing because it was just pushing on it. So I'd have to get out, walk around. And once we got closer and closer, I'd have to get out more often. And then, you know, I mean, I was still on morphine, but it was still like, it still hurt so yeah. much. I couldn't believe it. It's, it's, it's That's a six-hour drive on a good it. day. Yeah. I mean, luckily, we didn't hit a lot of traffic in Montreal, which saved me. Because if that had happened, I don't know if I could have sat in traffic. like Because I had to keep getting out. Right. How many pit you stops know? do you think you made? So, Oh, I don't know, like 10, I I think. Yeah. I I just, yeah. At least. I would just have to get out and walk. But that made me feel better, walking. Yeah. It was sitting, that was, and sitting up and, sta- you know, standing up, sitting down, because it controls everything in your core, that area. Once you get through Montreal, it's just long, straight highway, pretty boring. Yes. All the way to Concord, really. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I was just like in agony, honestly. Yeah. I was like you know, deep breathing. I felt, you know, just, it was just in, yeah, I don't know. I made it though. I made it. And when I got home, I was in, I was pretty rough shape when I got, when I got home that night, but then, you know, the next day we were able to see the specialist and, you know, it was the pain that was bad, you know, but when I went to the specialist, he's like, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. This doesn't need surgery. You don't, you know, you're going to be fine. It's going to heal. You're going to, you're just, the pain is going to be the problem. You know, and it was indeed painful, mm-hmm. but I knew I was going to be okay. So I was all right. I was like, yeah. if it's based off pain, you know, there's a lot worse that could have happened. So I was lucky. But yeah, we got an exciting 2023. I can't believe this is episode 38. Yeah, we've got interviews lined up every Monday for the month of January. Erica is so thrilled with me because <laughs> he booked me. <laughs> I just all of a sudden one day she goes, my calendar shows an interview every Monday. And I go, yep, yep, yep. Well, I knew you had to take some time off in uh, for Japan. So I wanted to book them up quickly. Oh, yeah. We're so, going to bank a few and see how it goes. But yeah, you guys are going to love what we've got coming up for you. It's awesome. So I really appreciate you doing this with me, Erica. It is year two of the I pod. I love it, man. That's why I put up with you. <laughs> it's a lot of fun for me, well, that's too. That's why I'm your best friend. Remember you mm-hmm, said that mm-hmm. about a month ago? I'm your best friend. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way. Oh, your new watch. How, what do you think? That is huge. That is, I feel like I would whack that on everything. Well, it's just a very large watch face. I, and and I mentioned earlier on the intro, you know, the yeah. other ones felt small. So this one well, is big. It's probably a little bigger than my old Garmin. Mm-hmm. And I tend to walk into walls a lot. So I am going to definitely get the protective screen, screen on screen there. Screen protector, yes. Yeah. Someone goes to me one day. All right. I want to hear something. Uh, everyone introduce an icebreaker and tell us something about yourself that no one else knows. And I go, my name's Eric and I walk into walls a lot. <laughs> that was the one thing <laughs> good to know man i don't walk directly into the wall i just cut the, I, <laughs> I just cut, picture you i cut the corners 
<laughs> Honestly, I do the same thing. If you're looking at my Fitbit, it's all scratched up just because I like I'll just turn and arms flailing, whacking, <laughs> whacking walls too. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So cool. All right, this was a fun. This was a ton of fun. A good night here. We had another epic interview we just did. So she was awesome, Dave. You're gonna love her. Mm-hmm. Football related. Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia fan. We just had on so. <laughs> This you is, give away all our secrets, man. You oh, make it's okay. Them I, want, I want them to be excited. <laughs> Teasers, I want them to be right? excited. So the other thing I want to just tell you guys about is uh, we're going to try to do episode releases on Tuesdays. Tuesday is going to be our day. We never really figured it out last yep. year. We were kind of all over the map. And I got a, I got a goal, Erica, Erica, cover yours. I want to do it every Tuesday. Every single Tuesday? Oh, you were supposed to cover your ears. You heard that? Well, my headphones are covering my ears. But we will see what we can do. We've got six hours a month to play with, so fill them however you can. All right. That will, that will help with the Instagram Live. So there you go. Everybody out there, really appreciate you listening. If you uh, don't follow, please give us a follow on Instagram. We are at on the runs. You can email us. Our email address is at ontherunspod at gmail.com. We appreciate if you go on to Spotify or Apple and give us a whatever star rating you think we deserve and Mm -hmm. whatever comment you think we deserve. I've never really asked for you to do any of that, but you know what? I think I might just have to put it in my reel because apparently it helps the algorithm. I'll take it. We're back for 2023. We are not going to stop. This year is going to be great. We're going to keep growing and we're so glad you're here with us. So with that being said, let's roll out that new intro music. And Erica... Don't forget to stretch. Last time I laughed this hard, uh, I used my shirt, so he is like, <laughs> he needs to get his shit together. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, you broke him. You broke him, Amanda. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he's broken. And he's peeing with the door open. <laughs> we are not together, by the way. He's married. I have my boyfriend. He's li- We're at my house right now. And uh, my boyfriend's upstairs. He's just like, yeah. Makes himself at home. Newt is currently peeing with the door open. Nice. That's going to make it in the podcast.